Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. So I'm going to have you turn to a scripture here really quick. Let me get all these announcements put away. We're going to start with something, and this is found in 2 Timothy, and chapter 1 in verse 5, and it says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And I like when you study this out, it's neat that families can pass that faith down, that it can be contagious to love God. And um, so what I'm talking about tonight, they'll put it up there, is this is, if you're taking notes, tonight's message is called The Advantage. So the advantage, hallelujah. And so I like when you study this out, it's there is an advantage to being raised in a Christian, a loving Christian home, and to be part of a spiritual atmosphere or spiritual community. And I don't know about you, but does everyone like the word advantage? If it's going to be an advantage, wouldn't you say sign me up? And maybe it's from being from a large family, this word is really appealing to me, um, being, having five of us siblings. So two older siblings and two youngers and being the middle child, you always want to have one up on somebody. And so, um, again, I like this, anything that's going to give me an advantage. And isn't it neat that who would, who would think, you know, knowing God and knowing how much he loves you, what an advantage that is, and not to be deceived and distracted. Uh, so many people not really understanding that they um, are made in his image, made with a purpose to have a destiny. And so there's an advantage to knowing who God is and what that means, um, who God is and who you are. And so I have this for the first point, and I've talked about this before, but the Word, the Word of God is the best thing. To me, I was always taught that the Word of God is the best source for factual, truthful information. And um, it's just amazing when you get it, when you open it up and read it for yourself. And so there's a scripture in here, this is found in Psalm, that really describes how I feel every time I open up the Bible. And this is found in Psalm 119. They're going to have it up there for you. Psalm 119 and then 162. So what does it say there? What does it say about the word? Says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Another way of putting it is I'm ecstatic over what you say, like one who strikes it rich. Isn't that awesome? So someone had an interesting question. This was years ago. They asked, what would be better if you, if you, had, a, if you had a choice? Would you want to receive the Bible or would you want to receive a million dollars? And of course, um, the answer was, you want to receive the Bible because God's resources and what he has in his word is un unlimited. But someone really had a great comment. They were like, I would take both and then use the million to buy lots of Bibles. I said, well, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good comment there. But I like that. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. And so like what I'm talking about is the advantage. I'm so thankful that my parents took me to church and gave me that advantage of knowing who God is and um, just knowing how much I was how much I was loved by him. And just, um, you know, it isn't about my parents were perfect. They never said they were perfect. 
but it was really powerful, just like what we um, had tonight, worshiping God. My mother always played the organ or volunteered on the piano, so our house was always full of music, so I always heard the music, and um, I always saw my mother, you know, they say you learn more from what you see people do than what they say they do, and um, my mother never preached at me, but I always saw her there, and I'm, I mean, both my parents did, but my mother primarily was always there at that kitchen table with the Bible open, reading it. I would see her doing it, not just talk about, but see her, and then underline and underline, and I think after a period of time, I think she about had every scripture underlined, and so it was evident that the Word of God was important to her, and so to have that upbringing, like I said, um, when I was, both my husband and I have mentioned this, when we were younger, we did not go to um, spirit-filled churches. It was more your traditional church. But you know, something about the Bible and the Word of God is powerful no matter what church or what denomination or, or what place or whom has it. The Word of God is indisputable. It is powerful. Whatever Scripture is read, you know, everybody is growing. No, I don't think any one person has every revelation. We're all growing. And it's good to give the person, go ahead and tell the person next to you, I give you grace as you grow. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. And, um, but there was something really powerful to have that upbringing of church was a priority, seeing them have their Bible, open the Bible up, and maybe we didn't understand everything. Honey, I like what you say. What did you say? You were stuck and about to step on, how did you say that? One foot in the grave and one foot on the banana peel and hoping to God you made it. I don't, I don't ever feel, <laughs> feel like that, but, um, you know, even if, even if um, I just thought it was powerful, again, to have that up, upbringing in the church and have the Bible and have that um, atmosphere of getting together and fellowshipping with one another and just having that comfort. Maybe we didn't always understand everything. And so I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy 6. And I love this. So we're talking about what an advantage it is, really. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm just realizing that more and more and more as we see society and culture where it's going, like what a huge advantage that was to be raised, and again, in a loving Christian home, and around a spiritual atmosphere, other people who love God, they might not have known everything or had all the answers, but we had the Bible. Did you know not everyone has, is allowed to have a Bible? It's against the law in some places. Isn't that sad? And so we are so blessed that we can even come together and gather tonight and worship the Lord. I just thank Him every time that we can do this. I don't ever take it for granted because there's some people who can't. And in Deuteronomy 6.3, remember the first point here is talking about how powerful the Word of God and what an advantage it is to get the Word of God inside of you. And it says this in Deuteronomy 3, uh, 6, chapter 6, 3, we're going to start and read through 9. But it says, therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey, here are Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. What do you think that means to love him with everything? What do you think that means? How are you going to start your day? How are you going to end your day? What kind of decisions are you going to make short-term or even long-term decisions? How's that going to affect what you say and what you do? 
if you really say, I love the Lord with all my heart. And then verse 6, it says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So I have that word heart circled. You shall teach them diligently. So I have all that underlined and then double underlined on diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them down on the doorpost of your gates. And um, I like this. If you just skip down to verse 12, it says this, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And so there's several things that I get here is saying, get the word in you and then express it and teach it to your children diligently. What do you think the word diligently means? But I like what it says. It's like when you walk by the way, when you talk, when you sit, what I see here, there's a difference between a lifestyle of law and a lifestyle of love. When you love something, you can't help but share it, right? So I know when I get together with my friends or when we come here, it's so exciting, um, whether you meet someone for coffee or lunch, and to say, you know, I just read this in the Scripture, and it just came alive to me, and this is how it really impacted my life. That's what we did with our children. In the morning, we'd talk about the, the Bible and the Word of God. In the evening, we'd talk about what God had done for us, but we never talked about the lack. Has anyone here had a fun time meeting somebody for coffee or lunch when all they talk about is uh, lack, 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 lack? So what we did is talked about God and that all things were possible with Him. All, that's what our children heard their whole childhood is all things are possible with God. So you know as they grew up what they believed? All things were possible. So um, whatever they wanted or needed or whatever education they needed, they could go to God and then entrust Him. And so as they came of age and if, when they wanted a car, we, we wouldn't say, we have no money. We never said that. We didn't ever say, we have no money, no time for you. It'd be like, you can have whatever kind of car you can afford to buy. Do you see the difference? So again, it's like putting it, it's putting back the focus on God and how much he loves you and he wants to provide for you. And so I love it. It was our youngest son and all of our children worked part-time jobs. We, we um, feel like it's important for people to understand a work ethic. You know, um, did anyone notice when God made Adam and Eve, especially when he made Adam, what he did first? He made, he made a wonderful place. He made food, he made animals, he made all these amazing things. Then he made man, then he gave him a place to live and he gave him a job. Then he got married later. So, um, you know, so in other words, if you, if you really think to work and, and all that's a curse, then God wouldn't have created it that way. It's a blessing to be creative. And so... Um, Praise the Lord. But then I like, I like how it says when you walk, when you're talking, and when you're sitting, it's a lifestyle of love. You can't help but share the good things of God and all that he's done. But I like what it goes on in verse 12 and says, but don't forget. You know, a lot of times in the Bible, especially with the, the, the Hebrews, God would do something miraculous and he would say, now you have a celebration. Don't forget this. You know, I loved it that um, we were around um, our grandparents, and it was so fun to hear the stories that they would share about just really their lifestyle faith. I loved it when my husband and I first got married. The first three years we were married, we worked on the ranch with his grandfather, and so it was really neat to 
be there in the morning and walk with him and do chores. And really, he just was basically sharing a lifestyle of faith of believing God. And I never heard him say one negative thing or curse God. Just really his testimony was how God was always there for him no matter what. And um, so that was just so powerful to have that and, and hear his stories and even hear his stories of how he would ride his horse to school. It was a one-room school horse and our schoolhouse, sorry. And then, you know, how he would check his traps going to school. And one day he got sprayed by a skunk and he was already too far, too close to, to school, you know, so he didn't go home. He went to school and everyone sat on the other side. And so, you know, that's what I see this is like we come together as a family or we come together as friends or we come together as a spiritual family here really rejoicing and sharing what God has done for us or brought us through. How, you know, may not always understand everything, but there's something very powerful in the Word of God. And I've shared this before, but if you've never heard my testimony, when I was younger, I had a speech impediment. And I was even put in a special class, and I don't ever remember graduating. I think I just got booted out because they gave up hope on me is what I think. I don't ever remember getting an A or anything or checking off. And so a lot of times when I was younger, I was called stupid or um, just really labeled. And, and, I, and because they were authorities or older people who were telling me this, I just believed them. But then when I became older and could read the Bible for myself, I opened it up, and in Genesis... It's, it's really hard for me to read the Bible fast. Because in Genesis, does everyone know what it says? Genesis 1, 26 and 28, it says, we are made in the image of God. We have his personality, his intellect. Um, he spoke his blessing over us. But I remember reading, I was made in the image of God, and, and I thought, well, God's not dumb. And I had like this moment where, I'm not dumb. They were wrong. Everybody that told me that. And so, you know, we all have to trust God to overcome different things. But I like it that with God, really, he, because then he gets the glory. We can say, God did this for me. And so when I think about having this advantage, you know, growing up in a Christian home or growing up in the church, regardless if they were perfect or not, I can't help but think, even if they didn't teach the power of God, like when I was younger, the ones I went to, we still were um, taught the Bible stories. How can you not be taught and read the Bible studies and not see the power of God, even if it's not specifically taught? I mean the Bible stories. Did everyone grow up at least hearing the Bible stories? Yes. And I'm like, how can you not see how amazing God is? So just to give you a couple of examples that what really spoke to me being younger and what we still talk about today Turn with me to Daniel. We're going to talk about just a couple of these stories. Daniel and the lion's den. And, um, you know, God is with us today. No matter what we're going through or what's happening in society, God is with us. And um, so this is Daniel chapter 6, verse 19. And we're going to read through 22. And... Um, so this is when some people did not like Daniel, and so the only thing they could really come against him was his faith. But you know what he kept doing? He kept praying to God, as was his custom. And so, you know, they tricked the king into coming up with some stupid laws. Has anyone noticed stupid laws? You can't call people a certain gender. That's just silly. And... Um, 
So anyway, but he kept up with what was his custom. He loved God with his whole heart, and God saw that. And we all know this story, but it's just good to read this. But it says, and the king arose very early. So they threw Daniel in the, in the den of lions. And the, but the king arose early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a laminating voice to Daniel because he liked Daniel. And the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of who? The living God. I'm assuming this is a pagan, but he's like, Daniel, you know, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, so they, they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him, and also, O king, I have done no wrong um, before you. But isn't this amazing? I mean, you know, has anyone been to the zoo like a bigger one where there's lots of lions. And then wouldn't you find it uh, kind of interesting if they had an announcement that said, take cover because some lions escaped? I mean, how would that make you feel if you were at a place like that and, and you found out that one of those animals had escaped? And so, you know, we read this and we just read it like a simple Bible story, but this really happened to someone. They were put in a den full of lions. And a lot of times they would purposely starve them so they would be hungry to tear these people apart. And it's interesting to me that Daniel rested and slept there. In, in another, um, if you read on, it will say how he says how the angels came and shut their mouths. But do you not find this? Do you not see how good God is, how much he loves us? And I don't talk too much about this, but when I grew up, I lived in a suburb of Denver that was, um, when I was a child, it was kind of a rough area. I've met other people who grew up and were, went to other schools and said, yes, we never went to that school or went to that area of town. And uh, my dad happened to be uh, a principal of one of the high schools in this suburb that, you know, just had a lot of gangs, just a lot of problems. And at that time, when I was a child, this would be when I was in elementary school, and like I said, this was, my dad was a principal of a high school. And at that time, drugs were not legal, but a lot of times people would want to do drugs, and so he would call the authorities on them, and it would make them mad, so they would drive by our home and shoot at it. And so, you know, again, when you grow up hearing these stories, I just always felt like, well, if God would do that for Daniel, he will protect me, no matter where I live, in this world or what happens or whom's a leader or who's not, that God is with me and he is powerful. Like I said, they specifically did not teach on the power of God, but these Bible stories show it, don't they? Don't they show it so clearly? And of course, this is another one, and I'll get on going on, but are you all enjoying just remembering like why these Bible stories are important? Does everybody remember David and the really short little person? It's David and who? Giant or, or Goliath. And so we're going to look at this. And what I want you to get, the first one I want you to get is God is with me. I'm always protected. This one I want you to get understanding. Put David and Goliath, but write this down. Don't allow the devil to bully you. Don't allow the devil to bully you. He's a big, fat liar. He's always telling you. It's amazing to me how when we hear sometimes about people dealing with not feeling loved or feeling that, you know, their bridges are all burnt. And I'm like, what are they even talking about? 
You know, that's just the devil putting those stupid little thoughts in their heads. And I love it that David, you know, when he, he was sent to check on his brothers, and they're all shaking in his boots. So here's just a little kid who comes up, but he knew who God was. He had a real relationship. He knew who God was. And he called the giant. He never called him a giant. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, in today's terminology, it'd be like, who is that filthy animal? <laughs> You can tell I had two older brothers, and we had interesting talk. Anyway, they taught me to be tough. Let's just put it that way. But I like that. Who is this? In other words, it's like, we have a covenant. He doesn't. These people don't. Like, why are you falling for what he's saying and doing? Because all he would do, you know, he's just kind of a big, fat, blubbery thing that would come and because he was so fat like an elephant, it probably vibrated the ground. It doesn't mean he could really do anything. I think he was just kind of a big, fat, blubbering thing. And so it kind of maybe shook the ground a little, but he never did anything. Do you know how the devil, like all of his, Jesus came and stripped all of his power away. Like people act like the devil has power. And he's just like that big, blubbery, blubbery thing that just shouts aloud, but never, and like Goliath never did anything, did he? He would just shout and stomp around and make a scene. Has anyone been around dramatic people? You, my husband will tell you, tell you about me. I don't do drama. I don't do drama. It just, it just shuts me down. I'll just do this to my husband. Because he'll want me to help pray, and I'm like, no. Because it's, it's just too much drama. And I think that's what David said. This is just too much drama. Why are you all still putting up with it? Let's just stop this right now. And so what does he come out with? You know, there's all these professional soldiers. And what does David come out with? And I've, I've heard, if you study out history and culture, you know, you know, people in those times, I think it was really a dangerous tool, but I think I've only kind of seen what they have at the dollar store, you know? And so I'm just like picturing this person who is really young and probably really small, but he's like, this is just a bunch of drama. This is just a drama queen. Why are you putting up with it? And so he's like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. But he knew who God was, and he knew that God was with him. And that's what we need to get in our hearts today. So turn with me to 1 Samuel, in case you're trying to remember where this is at. It's good to have these. So again, what an advantage to grow up in a church and hear these Bible stories, even if it wasn't a spirit-filled church or they didn't teach power. How can you not see it in the Bible and in these stories and what God can do for people who, who know him, just like Daniel? Even the king said, you who... Love your God. He had a reputation. Everyone knew he loved God. And, and here's David, this little kid that just kind of shows up in the scene. And he's like, what's wrong with everybody? Why are you, like, allowing this drama scene to go on and on and on? Shut him up. And I think that's how we have to become is, like, shut the devil up. Shut him up. And the people he tries to use and drama, drama, drama. And it's just like, is, I'm, I'm so sorry, I was taught when I raised my kids that that's politically correct not to say shut up. 
But sometimes when it comes to the devil, shut up. I've heard enough already. And so, and that's what happened with David. He's like, haven't you all heard enough? And so this is 1 Samuel 17, 26. And so then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the, this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I like what he says. Who is he that he should defy the armies of the living God? Sometimes we just put up with so much stuff. I don't know. I think I must have been one of those Christians that was taught it. I think I was telling my husband this today. I think what happened, you know, in the scripture when it says you receive the Holy Ghost, it gives you power and boldness. I said, at first it said kind of feisty, but I said, no, it's called boldness in the Bible. When you become spirit-filled, it's just clearer and clearer to you who God is and who the devil is, and he's just roadkill. And I think that's what David was talking about. But anyway, he's like... For who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And in um, verse 46, I like what he goes on and says, this day. So then he prophesies exactly what's going to happen. And we can prophesy because Jesus has already done it. He's already done the work. It's just really agreeing with Jesus, agreeing with the Bible. But in verse 46, it says this day. So everyone say this day. Not 50 years from today, but today, this day, enough is enough. And he says, the Lord, and I love this, he says how it's going to happen. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Wouldn't you say that when you study out the Old Testament and the book of Exodus and Numbers, that there was a testimony that God was a living God and that he was real. We heard what your God did. Remember Rahab the harlot when she hid the spies and said, remember me? She's like, our hearts melted because we saw what your God did for you. And so anyway, I love that he, he called him a filthy animal and then said exactly, in other words, he's like, enough's enough. I don't know how many days he kept blah, 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 blah. <laughs> doing nothing, never did nothing, running the mouth. That's what drama queens do. They just run the mouth. And so David's like, you know, we're going to shut you up today. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the shock when this little boy... I mean, to me, compared to all the professional militants, when this young person with this little sling shows up and flings, and the stone, of course, I believe it was Holy Ghost empowered and led by the Lord, that hit the one spot where there was no covering, and the giant fell over, and everyone just stood there shocked. But who ran and used the blubbering idiot's own sword? And well, this is kind of graphic, but there's no kids and, well, little people. And took his own sword and shut him up. Cut his head off. <laughs> well, anyway. But, I mean, that's, that's the story, okay? I'm not even adding to it. That's the story. So that's what I grew up, the advantage of growing up and hearing these stories. How could you not see how God is with us and how much he loves us 
And he doesn't want you bullied. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you and say, don't put up with the bullying. And so write this down and they're going to they're gonna pull it up there for you too. But this is another thing that we just talked about at our church over and over. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter who you are. There's probably been a day or a morning where you just thought, I can't do it. Maybe as a parent or maybe the job you have or some neighbor you have and you just think, I can't do it anymore. But I love this. It says, I can do it because Christ is with me. And he's going to give me the wisdom. He's going to give me the power. He's going to give me that gumption. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I would say that to myself. We taught our children to say that over and over. And turn with me. You're not too far away. This is Joshua. And I'm sure a lot of you have read this before. But Joshua 1.8. I love this. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. How much? Like once a year? Christmas morning? It says you need to meditate day and night. Day and night. Go ahead and say day and night. Just think when you meditate on it and get the word in you and you start quoting these things, that I can do all things through Christ who is with me. All things are possible. But it says, you're going to meditate day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you, go ahead and turn to the person by you and say, you, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. It depends on what you're meditating on and how you see yourself. Because again, how could there be all those professional people who were really scared, but someone young who was meditating day and night on God and had a relationship could see things so differently. Isn't that interesting? They all saw the same thing, the same challenges, but totally different reaction, wouldn't you say? Totally different reaction. Some of them just kept showing up and were just full of fear, full of fear, full of fear. A lot of times the first thing I do when I pray for anybody about anything is like, we're going to find up that fear right now that's just trying to stop you. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. And um, so anyway, we better go on. You're probably really curious now what point two is. Like, how can we top the word? You know what I mean? But point two, we're going to talk about purpose and destiny. Remember, we're made in the image of God. He has spoke his blessing on you. And like I said, when I was young, you know, I was just told I was dumb. I couldn't talk. And, and so then you believe it. And I just feel like there's always these messagings, always trying to stop and deceive and distract anybody from really realizing all the amazing things that God has in store for them. And so for this, let's turn to, and you've heard me say these before, but this is, we're gonna, this is just a starting place. And then we're going to look at a Bible story, what it looks like people who know what this means. <laughs> so this is Proverbs 22, 6. And um, I love this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. A lot of times people put a lot into um, the spiritual admonition or training. But what this is talking about is really understanding the gift or bent, of course, in your children. But I say this for any of us, because maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian home. Maybe nobody told you this. 
But train up a child, in other words, those gifts or bents should be um, nourished or encouraged. And so all of us have, um, I, I call it just um, the way I put it, I believe we're all born with our own anointings that the Lord has blessed us with. But um, a lot of times you don't realize it because I've been around people, they don't understand that what you have is amazing and not everybody has that. I'm like, you're so strong in that area that you don't realize it. And so you need to think, what am, what am I strong in? What am I good at? What brings me joy? And then where do I see a need? And then that's probably some areas that you need to start working towards. So I can say, this is what we did with our children, but I realize not everyone was raised in a, a Christian home or had parents who um, understood that. And so again, we all have a purpose. We all have a destiny. Turn with me. I didn't um, get this in my notes, so they're not going to pull this up. So you better pay attention because um, it's an extra one I thought of after the fact. So this is a fee in Ephesians 2. This whole chapter is amazing. But in Ephesians 2.10, so everyone say Ephesians 2.10. Okay, that way you won't forget. But it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are his workmanship. You are like his poetry, his work of art. So that's how you need to see yourself, that you're his workmanship created for good things. So that's exciting to me. But okay, you still remember what um, Proverbs 22, 6 said, right? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. In other words, when you understand who you are and what you're supposed to do, you're not going to be lost. You're not going to fall for all, all that deceiving, distracting things that you don't amount to anything and that you're not good enough. Has anyone ever heard you're not good enough? Maybe from someone or just in your head? I'm not good enough. And that's why I'm stuck where I'm stuck because I'm not good enough. Well, that's just a big fat lie. You need to get these scriptures, write them down and underline them and say every day, I'm made in his image. I am his workmanship. And that's what you need to be telling yourself. And then turn with me to Psalm 127. And um, I love this whole passage, but we're just going to look at verse 4. But in Psalm 127, it tells us, it says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. What is an arrow supposed to do? Thank you. Someone on the front row yelled the answer out. But you know, Years ago, when they would take sticks, you know, no stick is perfectly straight, right? Sticks have bends and curves in them, but they would take them and sharpen them so they would fly through the air as effectively as they could, not breaking them. You don't break people, but you work with those giftings and anointings, but they would take those things and want the arrow to fly through the air. And so whether they were hunting or what, if it was for sport or whatever they were doing, what's an arrow supposed to do? Just go fall flat on the ground, it's supposed to hit a target. And so, you know, as we raise children or even with your own life, you want to hit the target. We want to help our children hit their God-given target. But like I say, the word is the word. It's never too late to put the word in your life and say, you know, I have some targets that God wants me to, to hit. And so with this story, oh, we've got just enough time here. This is in Numbers 13 and 14. We're going to look at, again, living with purpose, living with purpose and destiny and understanding it. 
But really being, it's amazing how other people just miss it. And so this is, of course, the story about Joshua and Caleb. Are you all familiar with this Bible story? Has anyone ever heard this one? These are awesome stories. And um, so we're going to look at, we're going to just start in Numbers 13.1. They'll have it up there for you. But it said, and the Lord, this is after they had been, the Israelites had been led out of bondage, out of Egypt. And does everyone remember, not only had they been led out of that slavery and bondage, but they took all the goods. They were rich. They came out of slavery. They left the land rich. And so, but now it's time to, to move on. They're, they're, gonna, they're supposed to send spies out to the land of Canaan. But just see if you see this in this verse. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, and this is verse two, two, um, 1 and 2, sorry about that. But send man to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader um, among them. So a leader from each tribe was supposed to be sent. And in verse 2, did anyone catch the little, the little part about predetermined victory? I want you to go spy out the land, which I'm giving you. So go spy out the land that I'm giving you. It'd be like if my husband said, go to the mall, spy some things out, here's the credit card. <laughs> Are you getting an inkling about something tomorrow, honey? <laughs> no, but my point is, you know, did you ever see that as you're reading the Bible? Not only just spy out the land, but the land I'm giving you. And so all these leaders are sent out, but they don't all come back with the same report. And again, it's about, do you really know who God is? And do you really know who he is and who you are? Do you really understand who you are? And that why would you think God would make us to make it so we can't have a life of purpose and victory? We do live in a sin-fallen world. We do. But he is with us, just like David and Goliath. I mean, sometimes there are some blubbering giants that look big and talk loud. Sometimes there's circumstances that are very negative to what we think it should be like. And so I think that's what happened with some of these spies. Maybe they just thought it would be easy. And so, let's, so you can see what I'm looking at. We're talking about living with purpose and destiny and understanding so um, let's skip down to Numbers 13, 28, and um, 30. But they, they come back and they all agree, yes, this land is amazing. It's flowing and, you know, the fruit is great. And it's awesome. But then some of these leaders said this in verse 28, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Um, and it just goes on to say how big they all looked and how bad it looked. But in verse 30, I like how Caleb tries to, like, quiet them. Have you ever been around somebody? It's just like, could you just put a sock in it? Yes. <laughs> and so that's what Caleb's trying to do. You know, don't you like, um, this is my version of how I talk. But Caleb, it said he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. So of all these spies or leaders, there was two who were like, we can do this because God is with us. On our own, it would look, it would look bad, but we have God with us. 
And I like how he said, we're able, let's, um, you know, go up at once. Have you ever been around procrastinators? Well, I don't think today's the day. And the Bible says, this is the day. And the Bible says, this is the day of salvation. Today. And so anyway, you know, Caleb, he tries to quiet them. And, and he's got this overcomer mentality. In verse 33, this is where the, the others are, are chiming this. And they're saying, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were we in their sight. Did you know how you carry yourself is how everybody else perceives you? So somebody told me the, um, some of their family, um, what they do is they use animals, they use horses to do therapy. And so when somebody needs help physically or maybe even emotionally, they bring them this to this place. They're trained therapists and counselors, and they have these animals. And they said even the horse can tell how they feel. And so they brought one little boy. I can't remember what happened to him, but his parents tried, different people tried to like help him and talk to him, and he just refused help. Like what these people are saying, you don't understand. We're grasshoppers. And so they actually um, used something to make some like little, a little like horseshoe barricade and then just back the horse in it. So the horse was just standing there. And um, and so they told this little boy, you go get the horse out of that spot. Because all that really had to do was move forward. It was just like an object lesson. And so the little boy went over there and he's like, move. I know you don't want to be stuck there all day. Move, move. And the horse went. Because he didn't understand all you had to do is just lead him. And so just through this illustration, they showed the little boy what it was like dealing with him. And he got it. Once Someone came and showed him how simple to move the horse out of this obstacle. The little boy got it. He's like, oh, that's what everyone's been trying to help me, to get something out of my mind that really wasn't even right, you know, um, just because of something that happened. So I love that they're, it's, it's interesting that they say, we're, we're grasshoppers, so we are in everybody's sight. It's like, who told them they're a grasshopper? Who told you you're a bug, a worm? You know, we've been around people that say, I'm just a worm, I'm just a sinner. It's like, who's telling you that? Because God has something so amazing for you, so good. Let me see what other verse I wanted you to. And then in Numbers 14.3, it says, Why has the Lord brought us out to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt, return to slavery? It's like we're just victims. And so um, we've had some uh, calls from like distant family members and, and there's a couple of them that are young men and they're perfectly fine, but they don't work. And so they're tapping out other people's resources and they're wanting us to participate. And I'm like, I'm not going to participate when they can work. Go ahead and say work. It's a good word. It's a good word. And so um, I was actually talking to my youngest son who has traveled to numerous countries. I can't even remember how many countries he's been in. And when he kind of, when I just briefly talked to him, he got so angry. He's like, and I believe the word of God works wherever you live, but he's like, here in America, everybody can be rich. 
He's like, in America, it's not any country like any other country. And he has, like I said, been in a number of them, India, Vietnam, um, help me out. He was in Singapore, but he's been in, yeah, he's just been in a, a lot of uh, different countries, and he just couldn't believe how these people wouldn't put any effort because in their minds, they think we're victims, and so somebody owes it to us. But like I said, our son was just like, everybody, everybody can be wealthy. And, um, you know, it's just, again, knowing who God is and how much you're loved. But if you buy that lie that I've made mistakes or who hasn't made a mistake, or I messed up or I missed it, I missed the opportunity. Aren't you glad for God that you never miss it? It's amazing to me how he is the God who restores. And so I like this. We're going to have to wrap this up. I had a little bit more, but I think the main thing is the word of God and to know that you have a purpose and destiny. And I love those stories. I love Joshua and Caleb. They understood. So guess who, who entered in the land that I'm giving you? Joshua and Caleb. But the others didn't because they didn't believe it. And it was for all of them. It was for all of them. And so I like what 1 John 4, 4 says, and this is something I used to say all the time as I, as I was a teenager, but I like this in 1 John 4, 4, it says, you are of God, little children, and overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is greater. The God in you is greater than the God of this world. Little G, little. Everyone say little. Yeah, little. And so, so praise God. So I'm just thankful that there's an advantage to having the word of God and to come together to encourage one another and pray with one another and exhort one another. You know, I can remember, um, and we do a lot of this here. We've had one barbecue. We're going to have another barbecue, but there's a lot of different times. Have you noticed how we break bread and we come together just to have fun? I can remember not only learning the Bible stories, but also um, coming early, you know, the sunrise service breakfast and, you know, just having that fellowship with one another. So praise God. So there is an advantage to have that faith passed down. And just with that, I want to remind you, if you haven't got this, we have declarations for my children cards out there. So you can get that, speak it over your children or speak it over yourself. There is something powerful about speaking the word of God out loud. Because people who went forward, I've learned just from the, even just now the stories we've shared about David and Goliath or Joshua and Caleb, did they just sit there quietly? No. David's like, enough's enough. And Joshua and Caleb are like, let's go now. We're victorious. We're overcomers. And so Heather, I... Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.